company is intensified by the stresses of performance investing and both internal and external competition. You have got to be tough and develop a thick skin or you'll be overwhelmed. Within a large hedge fund firm, the intensity is far higher, as demonstrated in chapters 7 and 8, and then in later chapters of the book. When the market environment gets really difficult and there are life-or-death decisions, the most intimate relationships and lives, both in and outside the office, often fracture. The environment and stress become comparable to an infantry unit in combat or life on a destroyer in the North Atlantic in World War II. The fledgling investors should know what he or she is getting into, as the only defense mechanism is a prepared mind. This hedge fund tale of Joe Hill is not an American tragedy in the sense of Theodore Dreiser's hero. This is a modern hedge fund tragedy, the story of what happens when a good man's reach exceeds his grasp. As F. Scott Fitzgerald so succinctly put it, show me a hero and I will write you a tragedy. Chapter 1. Big Neck, Virginia Joe Hill grew up in Big Neck, an old textile town of 20,000 people in the rolling flatlands and gentle blue hills of rural Piedmont, Virginia. Once, maybe a century ago, the mills had offered jobs and a measure of prosperity, but Big Neck was too far from Washington, Charlottesville, and Richmond to have benefited from their fancy suburban sprawl, and the mills now struggled along with light manufacturing and electronics. The railroad still ran through the center of town, but the heavy freight trains just thundered through on their way to somewhere else. American prosperity had more or less casually, thoughtlessly, passed Big Neck by, and the population was down from 35,000 a quarter of a century ago. Big Neck was integrated, hard-working, stalled, middle America. There was nothing upwardly mobile about it, but the town functioned. The climate was mild, the schools were decent, and all things considered, it wasn't a bad place to grow up in. Although it wasn't a small town, everybody knew a lot about you by the time you had lived there for ten years, or were thirteen years old. You had a public history, which maybe was Dolores's problem. Dolores was Joe's mother. She was white. Joe's dad, Big Joe, as he was called, was black. Their son was the result of a high school romance, conceived by accident just after graduation. The pair lived together after Joe's birth in a renty, dingy row house on Elm Street, separately but amicably enough when whatever magic there once was wore off. In the years that followed, Big Joe and Dolores were distantly friendly, held within a tenuous orbit by their mutual love for their son. Little Joe was a big, strong baby who would stand in his playpen and violently shake the railing, laughing and yelling at the same time. Big Joe's friends were impressed. Joe, that boy is going to be a banger, they would say. That kid is going to be all muscle and fight. Big Joe was a foreman in the mill. He was a large, contemplative, handsome, mahogany-colored man whom people looked up to and who didn't waste a lot of words on idle chatter. The first screw to get loose in your head, Big Joe liked to say, is the one that holds your tongue in place. 
A couple of years after his split with Dolores, he married a black woman and they had three girls. Joe's half-sisters idolized him and frantically competed for his attention. Despite his second family, Big Joe was involved in his son's upbringing. On his way home from work, he would drop by before dinner most evenings. Since Big Joe was a good natural athlete, he encouraged his son to play sports, and as the boy grew up, they ran pass patterns on a field down the street and played one-on-one basketball in the driveway. When the mild southern Virginia weather cooperated, they played golf. About once a week, you could find the two of them out on the scruffy municipal golf course, lugging their old bags over the bedraggled, wandering links. There were pull carts available for three dollars, but they always carried their bags. Makes no sense for us to pay six dollars between us when we got strong backs and like the exercise, Big Joe would tell his son.